Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, before we get started, make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Atypical Rainbow. And check out our old episodes where you can, because there are some pretty good ones out there. So, nice and short, let's get into it. Today's episode is in the series, The ARAV Club. We're going to talk about The Mitchells versus The Machines, a new Netflix movie by the creators of the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, all of which I absolutely love. Is there someone from Gravity Falls also involved? Are they? I didn't realise that. I think so. Oh, well that explains why I love the movie then. Gravity Falls, you must check it out. Hilarious, hilarious stuff. The Mitchells versus the Machines. The concept is that the Mitchells are a four-person family, uh, a mum, a dad, uh, an older daughter and a younger son, who are caught in a robot apocalypse. Right? Uh, but of course, as is the nature of these things, the apocalypse is a metaphor. It's about family connectedness and friendship and, and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is a great movie. Uh, and if you, again, if you have enjoyed any of the stuff we've just mentioned, we highly recommend it. But as always with the AIV Club, we're going to focus on a few other more specific things about the movie rather than rating the movie per se. The first thing I want to talk about is what I call queer signaling, but I think there may be better terms for it out there. But I'm not sure it's a queer signaling. I think it's just queer. Well, no, because right. So the the main character named Katie is uh, is gay, but it doesn't really get confirmed till the end of the movie. There's hints of it throughout the entire movie. So one of the first things that I noticed was that she wore a rainbow badge, mm-hmm. right? But she's not the typical kind of butch lesbian kind of appearance. You know, she's, she's just this very nerdy film school kind of girl. You know, very quirky, very bright and bubbly. But there's, n- but there's nothing particularly stereotypical about her, which is great. I mean, that's great representation. But the first thing I noticed was the rainbow badge. And I thought, okay... I, I, I thought maybe she's like rainbows because she does love like magical unicorns and other like, cartoony stuff. Then when she was uh, interacting with some people that she was about to go to college with, there was one particular girl named Jade who she seemed to interact with well. And I'm like, okay, but there was sort of hints throughout. And don't get me wrong, the movie isn't about her being queer. Right? That's not really the purpose. But only at the very end does the mum kind of acknowledge, oh, are you and Jade official? Is she coming home for the holidays or whatever? And firstly, I'm, I'm really grateful that they included it. I think that's great inclusion. And, you know, it's, it's a family film, so good on them for putting a queer representation in into a genre where typically representation wouldn't be found. But what I found a little bit sad, and, and this is maybe because of my expectations about representation, is that they hid it is that they didn't put it up front and centre, didn't make it clear at the beginning. They kind of waited till the end to make it really obvious. Okay. I think I had a different reaction, because I remember we... I think we're talking about... Oh, what was that movie about the elves trying to bring the dad back to life? Bring the dad back to life? What? Well, they had the magic staff, and they bring, like, half, like, the dad's legs back. Oh, Onward. Onward. So, in Onward, there was this huge campaign about the fact there was going to be a gay character. Yes. And then it was like one line and a very minor character. Yes, very true. Whereas I don't know, like maybe I'm wrong about this, but Mitchell and Machines just had a character who happened to be gay and they didn't make a big song and dance about it pre-release. And that's kind of what I had wanted. Like onwards, I would have preferred to just discover it, discover that there was a gay character rather than... Then putting out, you know, press releases saying, we have a gay character. How good are we? Mm. So I really like the fact that in Mitchell and the Machines that she just happened to be gay and she was, you know, the lead character. 
And they didn't make a big deal about it pre-release to try to say, aren't we fantastic? At least that I saw. Yeah, okay. Pre-release, I get. But what about in the movie, though? Like... Well, okay, like, it's kind of like that Dumbledore thing, except they actually did acknowledge it. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, her sexuality wasn't relevant, and, like, you could pick up on the thing. Like, there was the pride badge, which apparently people started picking up when they saw pictures of her character. Oh, right. People were like, oh, she's wearing a pride badge. But that that could just be being an ally. Yes, absolutely. Um, And then, like, I think both of us independently picked up the stuff about her talking about Jade... The fact that when the robot apocalypse was happening, Jade called her. Like, mm. Jade like Jade didn't call her parents. Yeah. <laughs> Jade called her. <laughs> that, that might have been movie writing rather than... It, it could have been movie writing. And I did read something that saying, oh, what's Jade's home life like? And she's calling this girl who she hasn't even met in person. But she's kind of like dating on the internet. Yeah. The thing is, she was... Like, they didn't make her seem straight and then she had to be gay. She was on a road trip with her parents, not with, you know, a girl. Mm. So, it wasn't relevant till it was relevant? Yeah, I guess. It, I, and even then, towards the end, it didn't necessarily need to be relevant either, though. Because the plot line of the movie is all about family. Right? So, it's about how to reconnect with your family and how to discover your love for them after years of jadedness and disconnection. Like, the original title of the movie was Connected, which was meant to be ironic. Well, apparently, like, the original title was Mitchell vs. Machines, and it became connected. Then it went back to Mitchell vs. Machines. Oh, okay. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, anyway, so her being queer wasn't crucial to the plot lines, but I guess that's why... I don't know why they couldn't have just made it obvious earlier. But that, that's the question. Like, So, like, of, in Onwards, like, this character is in, like, one scene, and she's, like, pulling someone over for a traffic stop, but then she just mentions her wife. It's a bit jarring. It's a okay. bit, like... I will just mention my sexuality in this one scene I'm in. So I kind of like the fact that it wasn't like, like the start going, I like movies and I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have a dog and I'm gay. You don't have to necessarily be in words. All right. I'll I'll, look, I would say that that scene was the signs with it. Like there was clues you could pick up on. Like, it does make it sound a bit like a twist. Yeah, why did it have to be a mystery? That's that's my issue with it. Why did it have to be a mystery? Like, I feel like, unlike the crimes of Rinderwald, Uh where they basically had the perfect situation to say that Gumbledore was gay and they didn't. Yeah. I don't think they really skirted around it so much as it just wasn't relevant to the thing between her and her dad. And also, I feel like if at the start it had been more obvious then it might have put a weird extra layer on the dad not wanting her to fly off. Yeah, if you If you suddenly have, oh, like, she's meant to go on this flight to her girlfriend, Mm. and the dad cancels her ticket and makes her go on a road trip instead of going to her girlfriend, that adds something to the dad's character that you probably don't want there. Maybe. I don't, like, I, 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 so, okay... Uh, a bit of a bit of backstory. This isn't a, a plot twist or anything because it's it's a kids movie. It's all kind of end fairly obviously. But the the central 
sort of emotional core of the movie is Katie's relationship with her dad, Rick, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about this later, but Rick is um, very into his own interests and he wants things done his own way. So every time he tries to connect with Katie, he tries to connect on his level rather than trying to engage her on her interests, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to try and connect with her prior to her leaving for colleges, he cancels her plane ticket and insists that the family travel across the country on a road trip so they spend more time together. Um, and, like, putting aside all the queer stuff, um, I, I hated the dad. I'm sorry. Like, I know the point was you were meant to, he was meant to grow and learn, but I wanted to punch him in the face so hard on multiple occasions. See, when, when I knew we were going to do this, one of my first thoughts was, is this another Paul the movie? <laughs> what? Well, like, I was like, okay, so, if you look at it, if the dad is autistic and Katie's autistic... And he can't connect to her because she's not autistic in his way. Is this just Paul and his mum again? <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, yeah. So maybe that's why you didn't like the dad. Maybe. Maybe. I, 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 yes. Because you're like, yeah, this is exactly what my mum would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's very true. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Um, but so that that's... So, what was it? Prom? Turned out to be Paul the movie. <laughs> hey, I'm allowed to like associate with movies, okay? That's the whole point. You mean to connect. <laughs> that, that, that song where the love interest sings about how hard it is to be her because of the expectations of her mother. Yeah. I'm like, Paul the movie. <laughs> and now Paul the movie again. <laughs> That's not fair. We're allowed to connect. You to like movies. that song. I do like no, that no, song. No, no. Anyway, so back to the queer thing. So, yeah, okay. Could have potentially put a homophobic bent on his actions, maybe? I think they did well to make it very clear early on that it... I, it was about his sort of interest in, in nature and her interest in, in filmmaking mm-hmm. and the two of them being kind of disconnected. So I th- I don't know I don't know what it would have looked like if they'd added that on. I mean, yeah. they might have had to go to an extra length to kind of show that they were very supportive and positive about her being gay because that's what they did at the end of the movie. You know, the mum was very much like, oh yeah, we're just talking about Jade, is she coming home? Like, it was all yeah. very uh, loving and encouraging. And, the, and again... Beautiful. Like, I, I loved that. Mm. Admittedly, Maya Rudolph did play the mum, and I love her and everything. So, you know... The mum was an awesome character as well. Sure. The, kid, the kids love the mum character. Yeah. <laughs> that, that we won't give away. That, we, that we won't give away, because that is, that is a really good scene. But yes, the mum is, is amazing. Yeah. Although, I, I, there was... I think early on, I didn't love the mum because I felt like she enabled the dad. But I think that yeah. was... I think that's a slightly different thing. I think it was more still my issue with the dad. Yeah. But the mum's kind of being passive and letting him kind of run wild and mm-hmm. never really calling him out on his nonsense. Which, again, we'll get to at the end. But let's focus back on the queer stuff. But, yeah. I So, like, basically, I was happy with how they did it. Yeah. Like, I felt like they had done exactly what I said I wanted onwards. Or I wanted films in theory to do. Like, the, the, like the other example. So, this is a movie. And the sexuality doesn't come up. Like, there's signs of sexuality, and then it comes up at the end. Whereas She-Ra, we had, what, four seasons? Mm. <laughs> to do the exact same thing. <laughs> We've probably less clues along the way. <laughs> okay, yes, I will give you that. Yeah. I guess it, it depends on the intent, though. So She-Ra, for me, was an adventure story. It wasn't really... Like, the relationships were important, obviously, mm-hmm. but it was about the the mythology and the fantasy. Whereas I don't think that was... I don't know if that was necessarily the, the core of the Mitchells and the Machines. Well, the, Mitchell, the core of the Mitchells and the Machines was fam, like family relationship, as specifically father-daughter relationship. Yeah, but it was... Which, 
gayness doesn't come into unless it's homophobic. I guess. But it's also but it was also a movie about individuality. I think that was a, a key yeah, thing. Yeah, but like I guess in a way her queerness didn't have to be the most interesting thing about her. But that but okay, the the point is that we I I agree with you that it didn't need to be part of the plot, right? Mm-hmm. It, I'm not saying they had to weave it in as part of the emotional discussions. But why couldn't it have been at the beginning? Like, why couldn't they just have a picture of her and a girlfriend? Or, um, or, or like, you know, the, the parents kind of talking about her relationships. Like, just... Yeah, I, th- I think the thing with that is, at the start of the movie, she talks about the fact that she has never found her people until these college people. So I feel like if she had had a girlfriend, that would kind of undermine the idea that she's actually been isolated in her weirdness. But at the same time, though, and, and so, sorry, let's be clear, when we say weirdness, we're not talking about sexuality. We're talking yes. about her personality in her film obsession. Yeah. But at the same time, though, that, that's kind of my point. If, if your desire was that her sexuality was just a background plot point, like, well, mm. not even a plot point, just a, a, just a part of her as a character, then she doesn't have to be gay in order to feel like she's part of a community. She could still feel outside in the gay community, because she... I don't know, I think that if she had a girlfriend, I think that sense of isolation would have been undermined if she had a relationship with anyone. Yeah. Boy or girl. But there, I think there could have been a different way to introduce it early on. They could they could have been. I, I felt like it was organic. I'm not going to convince you, mm. but just my personal feeling was, I think it came up whenever it was needed. Mm. There wasn't attempts to hide it. Yeah. When it was relevant, like there is with Dumbledore and the Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. Where they're like, you were very close friends. Yeah. <laughs> you were such good roommates. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like every time it was relevant, there was stuff there. And it, I feel like it was organic rather than just shouting from the rooftops, we have a gay character. And I liked that. Even though I'm not going to be able to convince you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're making very black and white distinctions. Though. I think there was somewhere in the middle. I'm I agree. Like, I'm it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't think it had to be either or. I think there could have been a different way in the middle. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yes. I, yeah. I, I guess I come from the point of view is I have nothing to criticize. Mm. So I'm happy with what they did. Mm. So let's move on to the thing that we've been hinting at before. So those who know me well know that I spot autism everywhere, right? Like, And look, part of it's my job. My job is that I, I work with people with intellectual disabilities and as and sometimes they don't have a diagnosis. They'll be in their 50s and they're looking for NDIS funding and they, they want to look for a diagnosis beyond intellectual disability. And I feel like I can spot autism a mile away. Like, I, can, I just, I see it. But obviously that radar can be overly sensitive, right? Because I've always said that uh, having autism is like being extra human. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain traits of, of autism that I think a lot of people have that, that, that don't have autism, but it's just kind of magnified or it's coupled with other stuff, right? So, in The Mitchells and the Machines, the, the basic concept was that every member of the Mitchell family was unique in their own way. The dad was nature-obsessed. He loved being in the outdoors. The mum was kind of focused on perfection and being looking like the perfect family. The, 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 the boy was obsessed with dinosaurs. I mean, if that's not an autistic trope, I don't know what well, it is. Well, see, the thing is, like, as opposed to the queer stuff that was actually out there, the fact that the brother had autism was coding. Because I remember, like, one of the first shots of the brother is his dinosaurs lined up yeah. in a line. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not that, like the dinosaurs were in, like, a fight scene. They were just in a line. And I'm like, okay, that that's 
autism coding. Or, but and they never confirmed it. No, they ne- it never became a thing. But I guess be- I, I think in a way the diagnosis might have undermined the message, which is that we're all a bit different, and being different can still bring us together. Or uh, yeah, but it, like in a way, like you, you can say, okay, we're all a bit different, including people with autism. <laughs> yes, I guess you're taking the opposite argument to the queer thing, where you're like, we could have made it more obvious. Well, like, the thing is, like, the autism was all coding, no confirmation. Yeah, okay. Whereas the queer was hints and then confirmation. All right. But, so, I, I think one of the scenes I loved with with the brother was he went through the phone book and was calling people individually going, would you like to talk about dinosaurs? <laughs> and just, like, social awkwardness. <laughs> just, I did find it funny that, you know, they're, like, in a sort of a, a now, but with better technology... But he had a phone book. <laughs> like, where did he find a phone book? <laughs> I think there were. I think there were a few ideas in that movie. Like, look, I loved the movie, but it wasn't perfect. I think there were some plot holes and some. Like, weird... I didn't care, but I was... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was such a good visual of him crossing out, like going through the phone book, and then calling people that don't want to talk about dinosaurs. He crossed them out, but I'm like. I don't even know where I'd find a phone book if I wanted to. But there's no modern equivalent. Unless it's like face maybe Facebook, if you just had random strangers you like send messages to. Yeah, or, or an Excel spreadsheet you just delete their name. <laughs> but where, where would you get the info though? I think that's the thing. Where the electoral get... roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I told you the other day electoral roll doesn't have your phone number. <laughs> no. Anyway, but so we, we, were, we were talking earlier about mismatched autism, right? Mm-hmm. So the dad's obsession with nature extends to the point where he just doesn't know intera- how to interact with Katie. And what he keeps doing is trying to drag her into his world and gets frustrated at her for not complying. Yeah. And the the whole thing just made me think, uh, yes, obviously, subconsciously it was to do with my mum. But, but consciously, I'm like, oh my god, that's so autistic. But is this, like, I don't know whether I'm just being overly sensitive to it or not. I don't know, like, I think the dad's meant to be frustrating. Like, you're meant to be frustrated. Like, I guess it depends. Maybe there are people out there who would go like, that, that dad is trying so hard. Why does that girl not appreciate it? Mm. But I feel like because it's from the point of view of Katie, you're meant to find the dad frustrating at the start like she does mm. so i think that i think that's pretty normal i don't think you have to project your own family issues onto it <laughs> plus we all have family issues so i guess it would be hard to find someone who didn't have any family issues to project upon it and plus you know a, a movie with uh, a family movie with no family drama is nothing like yes it's, it's a it's, nothing it's b-roll you yeah. know <laughs> whereas i think um you probably relate less to the mum's like jealousy of the perfect neighbors like, I don't think that's something that you, like, the perfect Instagram neighbours. Because that's not, like, you're not really into that Instagram, like, everyone's perfect life on Instagram, and your life not living up to that. That's less your thing. But I think I like, could... I, I didn't really associate with me, because I don't do Instagram. But I think I could be, though. This is the thing. If I was an Instagram person, I think I could get really easily sucked into the idea of perfection. I mean, again, mm. looking at it from the autistic perspective... Inherently, for for the majority of people with autism, the there is a sort of overall belief that there is a perfect way to do things. Now, that'll vary depending on the issues. So, you know, plenty of people with autism can be slovenly. Not everyone with autism has, like, a perfectly organised room or anything, right? But there is this sort of idea that there is one way to do things. Mm-hmm. And I can see how you'd fall into the Instagram trap, where you're like, mm-hmm. oh... 
So, okay, so there, that's that's the perfect ideal. Okay, I'm meant to be aiming for that. And if I'm not aiming for that, or if I'm not achieving that, I am therefore a failure. So, once again, is this unique to autism? No. Is this something that is kind of autistic in nature? Yeah, I think so. Would you say that the mum was autistically coded? I don't think so, but I can see how it would be, it would be interpreted as such, keeping in mind that women with autism present differently from men with autism. Yeah. So, I, I, look, it wasn't quite as obvious as I felt the dad was. But, again, autism in women, not always as obvious. Yes. But, like, you're working from an assumption that she has autism, unless it's disproven. <laughs> yeah. Whereas she could just be the neurotypical partner who's trying to deal with her autistic husband and autistic children. Mm. And the fact that, you know, she can't get a good family photo because they're autistic and they're fighting with each other yeah. in every photo. <laughs> um, admittedly, once again, it depends on how you look at it. There's a scene at, uh, at the dining table where the dad's like, everyone put down their phones and everyone refused to look, put down their phones, and even, including the mum. Yeah. And I don't know, pardon me, and he's like, everyone make eye contact. And I went... No. <laughs> if, you, if you have an autistic family, don't force eye contact. It doesn't mean anything. Like, it's I that, think it's, if you have a neurotypical family, don't make them sit there staring at each other. <laughs> like, there's no reason to demand your family to stare silently at each other for ten seconds. <laughs> this, that reminds me of that scene in Baby Mama that Tina Fey and uh, to Amy, po- Amy Poehler? No. Amy Poehler was in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, where a Tina Fey's boss is like, I'm I think now it was going Steve to. Martin. It was Steve Martin. Yeah. And he's like, I'm now going to reward you with five minutes of uninterrupted <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> and I went, that would be my nightmare. Like, yeah. just, that is not a reward. Get away. I don't think it's a reward me. for anyone. <laughs> Especially from your boss. Like, yes. I can't think of any boss I would have liked to stare at me uninterrupted eye contact, <laughs> no matter how much I like them. Uh, but so, so taking this a little bit broader, um, there I I was I read the latest book by Judith Lucy uh, called Tur- called Turns Out I'm Fine, and it's essentially uh, a, a chronicle of her relationship with men. So if, if you're a fan of Judith Lucy, this is the book for you because it's really it's it's her like it's the essence of her and her writing, and she actually repeats a lot of the same material that she's repeated on various forms of media on her podcast on her in her stand up show, so, but. She talks a lot about her dad, right? And and I guess this is this is the question about is everyone really autistic? So her dad uh, was an Irish Catholic, and was emotionally distant. She talks about how. You know, he only ever really associated with her when it was convenient for him, and even then it wasn't a great interaction. He had very strict rules about how she should behave and what he expected of her and what she should be doing. And 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 he also had explosive anger issues. And all of that, to me, said autism, right? But how do you tell the difference between autism and cultural sort yeah. of uh, upbringing and beliefs? Because I think when you told me that, I was like, well, yeah, but that was the normal way to behave for a man in that time. Mm. Um, like, fathers were meant to be distant. <laughs> but and were, probably a bit scary. But were all fathers the same way? You know what I mean? Like, I think we have this sort of fixed idea about how different roles were filled in certain eras, right? And Yeah, I'm not saying that all fathers would have been like that, but I think it would be perfectly acceptable for a man to behave that way. So if you've been raised that that's how a man behaves, you don't have to be, you don't have to be autistic to behave that way. But plenty of people don't follow the trend of their parents, you know? So 
even if you get taught something is a way of being, is that necessarily that you do it because that's what you're told? Or do you do it because it's giving you permission to be yourself? It's a hard one, but like... So say the norm is to not act that way, and you're autistic, you can't help it that you end up acting that way. Whereas if the norm is to act that way, and you're autistic, you're obviously going to act that way. But also if you're not autistic, you might just follow the norm. So it's harder to differentiate if the behaviour that society expects from you is autistic behaviour. Yeah, and, and which I guess is which I guess is the challenge. And and look, obviously the other question is purpose. We've talked about diagnosis. So we had a whole episode about it. If you have listened to it, check it out. But you know, we talked about whether there is value in a diagnosis. And part of me kind of thinks that if Judith Lucy's dad did have autism, so for argument's sake, and he was diagnosed, I don't. Would that have made a difference? Would that have? I thought you meant. Is there any purpose in diagnosing? A- you know, a fifty-year-old woman's dead father. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Well. Yes. That 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 is completely irrelevant. That's just for my own interest more than anything else. But let's say he did like, get yeah. early on. You know, alternate I mean? universe that yeah. he had been diagnosed. Yeah. Um, would it have been useful? I don't know. At that time, would there really have been any assistance he would have got? Not necessarily, but I guess not, unless talking about him, because obviously he's almost like a character in a book, but I mean more for her. Like, if she, if he had a diagnosis and she knew about it, would she have been more accepting of his quirks or his his emotional distance? Because the emotional distance might not have been deliberate. Like, it it might have been the sort of inherent, he can't help it. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, I I think the answer, I would, I would guess yes. Like, it can be difficult if you have childhood baggage where you don't understand why your parents behave in a certain way. Yeah. Um, But I think generally, from knowing people whose parents have mental health issues, and, like, I have a friend whose mum had such severe issues that I think she was, like, in a nursing home. So, like, knowing your parent has a diagnosis and they can't help it, I think does psychologically help you. Yeah. So, that's what I wonder with Mitchell versus the Machines. Obviously, it would have taken out the drama. And again, it's a kid's movie. It's not the point. But if if the, the whole family, really, kind of knew that they, at least three out of the four of them, had autism, would it have affected... Would it have made their relationship better? I think it depends character by character. Okay, go on. I reckon the son wouldn't matter. No. I think the other two would have mattered. Mm. Like, I think the son, if he had a diagnosis of autism, they'd just be like, okay. Like, he was, they knew he was having trouble making friends and that he relied a lot on his sister as his sort of primary friend. So I don't think him having a diagnosis would have changed anything in the movie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. If he were a different age, I think it would have been different. And we've talked about, again, you know... Different expectations depending on the age of the person, uh, but yeah, in the, for the purposes of the movie, they were just kind of like, "Yep, he's he's young and quirky." But I think "young" is really the operative word there. Yeah, but in the in the movie, no one was being intolerant of his quirks. Yes, that's true. Like there there was the tension between the dad and Katie about her quirks. Yeah, there was no tension between the dad and the son about his quirks. Probably because it would have been repetitive. Like writing wise, yeah. it would have been repetitive. So I think that if he had been diagnosed with autism, everyone would have probably reacted the exact same way to all situations. Yeah. Um, they would have been like, okay, he, like, you know, instead of just, he really likes dinosaurs, he's autistic and likes dinosaurs, we'll, we'll take him to that dinosaur place because he really likes that. We'll tease him a bit about 
you know, oh, he wouldn't want to go to that dinosaur place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think it would have mattered um, if he had had an official diagnosis. If Katie had official diagnosis and her dad was still that intolerant, it would have probably added a layer of jerk them. Mm. And if the dad had had the diagnosis and Katie had been intolerant, uh, I guess that extra layer of jerkdom would have been on Katie. Would would that last situation, though? Because I would almost argue that, and again, this might be unreasonable expectations of a parent. she was college age, you'd expect... Like, if, if she was young, yes. You'd be like, okay, she just, just doesn't get it. But she was on the cusp of adulthood. She was old enough to understand her dad's limitations due to a diagnosis, I think. Yes, but my my argument would be that if the dad wasn't ready to have kids, he should never have had kids. Like, if he wasn't emotionally prepared to... Because this is the thing, kids change your life, and everyone says that. But it's not just about the day-to-day stuff. Is that you have to kind of accept that you've introduced someone into your life that you're not inherently either A, going to be able to control, or B, going to agree with and everything. Like, they're just they're just another person. Yeah, I think I think he might... He, he was definitely ready to have kids, and it was proven by the old videos that he actually gave up his cabin that he loved and had made himself for the sake of Katie when yeah. she was a child. So I think he was ready to have kids. He wasn't ready to have teenagers. Yeah. But I think if everyone waited till they're ready to have teenagers to have kids, we <laughs> might have a population problem. Okay, so so okay. So maybe maybe not necessarily beforehand, but becoming more rigid as you become challenged further is not the answer. No, no, no. But like uh, to take his defense, I guess, he was afraid that her dreams would be crushed the way his dreams were. Yeah. And, and, and that is a pretty classic trope, uh, like a parenting trope. Yeah, it's uh, pretty it's a pretty classical and understandable for a parent to want their child not to make the mistakes they did, but it's a terrible <laughs> and, But I also think it goes beyond that. Like, it wasn't... I, yeah, okay. Was her pursuing film school uh, a risk? Absolutely, right? But I actually think it went beyond that because... Again, the the broader premise was that every time he tried to connect with her emotionally, he tried to do it on his terms and his terms only, and that's autistic. Put like not not just the, the so the the fear of failure doesn't account for that at all. It's just like I want to connect with you, so you need to go fishing with me. You need to go for a walk in the woods. Like no, you want to connect with her, talk to her about her thing. Right? Like, that's that's kind of the point. And yeah, but I'm worried that that veers too close to autistic people can't be parents. <laughs> yes. Because, like, I guess, how much is a parent allowed to struggle? There's a difference between struggling and enforcing your own beliefs on your child. And I I, I feel like we've, we've learnt better as a generation. I think we mm-hmm. know better to not do that to our kids. Like, there's a limit. Like, you know, you want to teach your kids safety and responsibility and, and kindness and all that stuff. Like, that you want to force on them. But, you know, if she likes films, get to know her on... Like, get to know her film. Watch films together. Like, it's not... Be part, be part of it. Be involved. It's not that. Should we go back to that episode where we talked about the kids being boring? <laughs> yes, but I still do it. Is the yes, point? That's that that's the true. difference. <laughs> I don't necessarily like everything I do with the kids, but I do it because I'd rather be with them and invest my time in them and build a relationship than prioritize my own desires, or at least I make room for it in other times. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the key there. But I think like. It's not about the fact that he shouldn't have had kids. It's that he should have evolved. 
Like, you need mm. to evolve. That's that's what parenting is. You have to, you learn as you go along. No parenting will, will prepare you for everything that's going to happen to you. So, I think that's why I didn't like him, is that he didn't evolve. He, he clearly loved his kids, and he loved them when they were young, and wanted to engage with them, and, and cared for them, and cared for their emotional needs. All that was definitely true. But when it came time for him to evolve, and to evolve with them, he refused. But he kept demanding stuff of them because of what he wanted. He wanted the connection. He wanted the time. But he wanted it on his own terms. Yeah. I, I do wonder if going back to it once we have teenagers might change our view a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Because even, like, you talking about this, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to have teenagers. And we're not that far off. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone's ever ready to have teenagers. <laughs> I, think, I think the emotional taxingness of it might be a bit higher. I don't know. Like... I've I've also had um, friends who had great relationships with their parents just all the way through. Partly, of of course, it was because they might have had matching interests or, or matching passions, which which helps. Mm-hmm. So if the kid, unless the kids, you know, decide to take a, a massive left turn to something that we're neither is familiar with, like sport, um, then then well, we, for me, it could just be the genre of video games. Yeah, true. Yeah, because th- we like video games, but we don't like the same video games a lot of the time. Mm. I don't know. I guess I would hope that we would evolve and kind of accept that they they might have a difficult time. And yeah, I just I just don't think we'll be perfect because I don't. We think... can't be perfect. No, no one ever is. Yeah, I, I just think that in this movie, and maybe it was the heightenedness of animation and, and movies, and just kind of making it really obvious. But I I just don't think that Rick did a very good job. Yeah, but also it was a movie about probably the worst point. Yeah. Yeah. Like. It was probably not as bad leading up to the start of the movie. Yeah. And by the end, he had evolved. Yeah. So we did see it at the worst point. Mm. All right. Any final comments? Um, not really. I, I, yeah, I think that... I, I was happy with the queer representation. I was probably happy with the autistic representation, even though it was coding not out there. Mm. I still enjoyed it. it was, oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, a great movie. movie. Yeah. Still still a great movie. I, I just like deconstructing things. And that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't no, take no, me away the pleasure yeah. of it. it. But it is interesting to talk about. Like, I think we're building up more examples of how queer and autistic representation has been done. Mm. So I think my understanding as we go through these AV... Wait, A-R-A-V club. Yes. <laughs> is I'm like, okay, so how does that compare to She-Ra? She-Ra did a similar thing. Like, I think it's giving me a chance to think about these things and hopefully the audience is having a, t- a chance to think about these things and, as well. Mm. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our episodes and follow us uh, on social media and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next time.